Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast, one and only until now. Uh, this is another episode in my advisory board segment, advisory board segment. And um, today, um, this means the advisory board, advisory board segment means that I have a guest on board from my advisory board. So, um, so first, without any 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 further ado, Jonas, welcome. Thank you very much, Nils. Um, maybe I should start out by introducing myself. Please do. So my name is uh, Jonas Hansen, um, Danish national, like Nils. Um, so I've been working with uh, funding and EU programs for um, a decade now, uh, which means um, all of my professional uh, career so far. Uh, I started out at the IT University of Copenhagen, um, uh, both managing grants and uh, applying for them. Uh, and I quickly moved uh, into uh, the so-called EU team, uh, helping research groups uh, applying for EU applications. Uh, so that's basically where I cut my teeth. Uh, before that, uh, during my education, uh, I had an internship in Brussels uh, at the South Danish uh, EU office, uh, where I met you, Nils, um, when you worked down there. And since then, uh, I've been uh, I've been working with uh, uh, an EU office uh, in Brussels, the North Denmark EU office myself, um, and uh, I've been working at uh, at a tech startup. Uh, within uh, artificial intelligence, uh, where I was a business developer um, and uh, also in charge of uh, external funding, uh, soft funding, as as means call it, uh, meaning grants and especially EU grants, uh, where we did apply and and win a couple of grants. Uh, presently, I work at the, the uh, Danish national ICT cluster called Digital Lead. We cover the whole country. Um, and uh, we assist as a, in a classical uh, cluster, business cluster structure. We assist local Danish IT companies um, in uh, innovation development, um, scale up, uh, access to markets, etc., etc., etc. And uh, in this organization, I'm the senior funding manager, which means I'm uh, in charge of external uh, financing uh, of large projects. Uh, and I also uh, am the team leader of our digital and green team, which coordinates uh, all uh, ICT activities that we do uh, within uh, the green transformation. Yeah. It's a fantastic event. One of this is this is one of the the reasons why I invited you on board. For it. Well, we know each other, but uh, you're we we have a pretty similar trajectory, you and me, when it comes to this. We've been long in the game. We've been sitting on on different uh, sort of different different sides of the table, in <laughs> uh, different kinds of setups and, uh, and organizational types and so on, and and we have been both working with this in a in a in a more relaxed way as a coach or facilitator mm. and more rough in sitting down and doing the rough work on in a in a rough setup with preparing proposals so we we um we know a lot of 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 uh, of this world you and me which means that for me, you were one of the first one I thought about when I was supposed to build up uh, this group uh, for this podcast initiative. 
because the idea is, of course, uh, with the advisory board, you cannot know everything yourself when you do. Of course. Uh, this area. It's a huge, it's a parallel world. People outside this world, they don't have an idea of how complex it is. It's a parallel world to the real world with with so many layers and and areas and indeed focuses that you you cannot know everything it's it's uh, it's it's subject it's legal it's how to write, write proposals it's how to write. it's a it's such a complex world that uh, that even though like you and me we've been working in with different things in different ways you and me still have blind angles or, or shadow sides where we are less knowledgeable and would need support so true this is it this is why you're bought here and I invited you in because you have so much knowledge and actually I think my my honest point of view is that you are probably a much better proposal developer than me because you've been doing it much more than me you have been sitting with a university also which is quite rough um, <laughs> so, so and you've been sitting with an SME I have not been sitting with an SME. I've been sitting with a consultancy company. That's rough. But sitting with an SME and and, and funding fundraising through uh, competitive funds like this is rough. So I think you've been doing it more than me. So you there's, there's definitely some uh, some things that that I can draw on in this initiative about your knowledge about these things. So that's that's that. So just for for everybody to to. Uh, just a few words about the advisory board initiative. So I have the po- the podcast initiative. Initiative is about EU funding for research, development, and innovation projects, and that's quite broad. And I've started with the timeline series uh, to start somewhere where I go through the step by step what what uh, what you need to be aware of when you prepare a proposal for for research and innovation funding from the commission but the universe needs to be much broader than this uh, so i'm i'm building up a universe now conceptually with different areas with university focus with facilitator focus with consultancy focus with uh, and then i have the advisory board so the advisory board the function that that you guys have uh, you will be my my um so what do you say my 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 support that i can draw on on a regular basis where i will drag you in and we will have a talk about things that i focus on in the different segments that i have where i will drag you in and then we will reflect on my solo episodes or reflect on areas that that i have not been aware of myself or where we dig and dig in and talk about in more detail about things very cool yeah, so that's the idea, and it's good. You will know some of the people that I have invited. I'm not going to release them here yet, but you will be happy uh, with some of them. You want to, so we'll see. Sounds exciting. Uh, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also have the idea that we should have a panel session where we have the whole advisory board on uh, on on episodes once in a while, maybe once every three three or four months, where we sit all of us together and <laughs> and uh, and have have episodes like this. But I've, it's still cracking it in my head with these things. But it definitely, I will make something out of this that we are a group that we get together once in a while virtually when uh, for this. Nah. So it's just uh, a little bit open the window into my my uh, my head of what I'm thinking about this. No, nah. because you can do a lot of things with a concept like this project concept so that's uh, that's the idea no uh before we step into the the details i always run through the 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 bullets that i have jotted down so the main area that we will discuss today 
is the SMEs uh, versus yeah. Horizon Europe. Yeah. So this is what the, the introduction, more or less. Then uh, we will have a sort of short sum up. So SM, on the SME issue, then we will go through Horizon Europe Pillar Two. So why it's important for for SMEs? Why SMEs are important for that? And then we will have a talk about the attitude from SMEs towards EU funding and and the hesitation. Then we will have a talk about how to getting attention and interest from SMEs uh, on doing these 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 things, digging themselves into proposals and projects. And finally, we will have a talk about the added value that they have to Horizon proposals and projects. Maybe some of these things have an overlap. We'll see. But we'll this is this is the setup. So let's just uh, get right at it. Here in the rundown, I have put. Uh, before we dig into sort of having a fly-in, so when I say when I say the two words Horizon Europe and SMEs, what's what do you think? What is the first things that you that comes to mind when I say these two words? Well, actually, actually, I noticed that uh, previously when you said when you mentioned it, the the subject, you said um, Horizon Europe versus SMEs which I think is quite interesting, possible Freudian slip, because it's um, it's a challenge. Um, hmm. It looks like a match made in heaven if you do a quick Google search on those two words. Um, SMEs is a frequently used term when you are reading uh, programs, strategies, uh, everything basically from the European Commission uh, to watch how uh, Europe wants to solve its main challenges and, and also scale its opportunities. Uh, SMEs is, is frequently mentioned. Uh, some of the basis of that is, of course, a lot of uh, research have shown that uh, uh, that the, the larger growth value and potential uh, within growing companies' jobs and and creating uh, new services, products, technology is by uh, scaling SMEs, uh, is by utilizing SMEs and increasing its, uh, its innovation capacities. Uh, so I so that is the basis of why SMEs in in this uh, context. So the versus part, um, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, sim- simply put, SMEs per definition is small organizations. That means you are few people. That means that uh, uh, you are a, a select few people who need to do a lot of different things. You need to cover a lot of areas, often outside your comfort zone. And the basic uh, nature of of most or all EU calls is that they are complex structures. Uh, they are competitive, and uh, you need a lot of knowledge. The learning curve is high. It's or steep. It's very very steep. Um, exactly. Which is why you and I have a profession as specialists within <laughs> this field. Um, so that that would be my first impression. Uh, it's it's difficult. It's a challenge. You, you know what. I always thought uh, when I when I hear the words Horizon Europe or just framework program and SMEs, it's a paradox because it's it's a lightning before me like this paradox the word because the Commission has they they so much want the SMEs yeah they so much want mm-hmm. the SMEs to do these things they so much wants to help them they so much wants to direct money their way to make programs they can they can go for they they support that they get a bit bigger role in the big uh, collaborative projects they make specific SMEs uh, the EIC accelerator 
they, so they encourage that through through the decisions they take to make the funding schemes. But then the the way that it is for them when they when in the real world when the SMEs start to approach this, they go into a world they don't understand and they just they get burned by it. They would never touch it. Exactly. The, 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 yeah. The so obst- that's that's a big paradox. Right? Yeah, the obstructions <laughs> involved are great. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I and I have like you a lot of uh, experience. Uh, Helping and advising SMEs uh, uh, externally, meaning as a consultant coming in, either publicly employed or private, but coming in and helping them, advising them. But it wasn't until my experience working uh, in an SME, uh, in a startup, that I truly realized the, the depth of the challenges in, in joining in this kind of uh, application. Um, and perhaps I can share a little bit about my own concrete experiences with this. So I was headhunted for this position simply due because the company uh, had already uh, won an EU grant. Um, it was the EIC SME program that they had won at that time. And they had an external consultant uh, create the application for them. Um, and most of the people listening to this are probably uh, quite well aware that this kind of grant, while very complex and also uh, large in in in, uh, in volume, and very 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 competitive, um, mm. uh, that it is uh, oftentimes and in this case especially um, a mono grant, meaning uh, there's one app applicant, one beneficiary, um, and two companies this can seem much more relatable to the way that they think, especially in the tech world that I usually um, 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 fit in, very much more comparable to what they normally consider funding, meaning what we call hard funding, um, equity funding, uh, having investors. So you present uh, a level of development new products where you're going and then you get some money and you achieve that and you have some some KPIs involved with that. Uh, and if, if you have an external consultant on it, that means that a lot of uh, different areas is checked off for you. The consultant will do a lot of different things for you. You, you might not be learning so much from this process. But the, the CEO of, of this company... Um, had spotted that there might be more benefits for them and also were attracted to the the amount of money involved. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the SME EIC program is quite a lot of money. Uh, and in this case, I believe it was slightly above 2 million euros for the company. So That's a lot that, for that is a lot. And um, we had a good long talk because to, for me, it was very important to explain the complexities if you want to further involve yourself in these kinds of, of grants, what it entailed and what it would entail uh, uh, for me as, as, as an employee in his organization, basically mm-hmm. what I would be spending a lot of time on. And uh, that sounded uh, nice to him. So, so I started the job and then I actually found out that I actually had to do all of this talk again, uh, but in detail uh, within the organization, in the different levels of the organization, but also to the very top of the organization, to the board of directors, um, which I hadn't expected. Um, and this is part of why the learning experience for me being in a tech startup and working with this was as is so valuable and I use it every day, basically. 
and it's everything from the larger points of what do you want to achieve and also uh, what is important to the organization and and down into what does it actually mean uh, engaging in these collaborative approaches and what are the pain points uh, just yesterday in a meeting I was uh, uh, basically sharing a part of, of my experiences in this regard to, to explain how we should think and how we should expect SMEs to handle being brought into a consortium. Uh -huh. Especially if you, are, uh, if you are asking two different companies within uh, SMEs within the same field to join, they might not exactly start whistling the same tune and skip hand in hand into the consortium and just divide the tasks between them they might see themselves as deadly competitors or people or organizations that you don't want to share tech with uh, that there there you have a big task in the in the proposal phase uh, when you have the dialogue starting between them of course exactly to, and that to, takes experience make sure that does. You have to know uh, that this problem might occur and that is not something that they might want to discuss in an open forum. No, and you need to have, and that's where you and me come into the picture, but that's what for the SMEs, if you are an SME sitting out there, or if you're one helping SMEs on a regular basis, if you're not very experienced with this, it's extremely important that you that you make sure to ask all the all the tricky questions in the proposal phase. That you make sure that you also the ones that you might shy away from, or that the that your your stakeholder or client shies away from, you need to put put it on the desk. So what, you cannot just say we don't want to talk about. It. You have to talk about it exactly. because there might it's not it's just not it's not just a matter of IPR and uh, who guess what who gets what on the other side it's also a matter of of collaborative spirit when you when you prepare the proposal and when you do the project exactly if you if you if you sit with crossed arms and a little bit hard to get so to say both or all of them sitting a little bit watching each other like this it's not going to be a good proposal so you're probably not going to win it but if you win it then then the chance that it's going to be a good project, <laughs> you, already, you get you get you get off at a bad start because it's gonna it's gonna spell spell problems right away. The second that you step into the the tasks that you have to carry out in in uh, in in the work packages where you have to exchange information, you have to exchange. You are reliant on each other to prepare specific. What do I know? Is it part of a technology? But no, no, no. We no, no, no. We we want to keep this. You're not supposed to know about this. And so all these things happens if you don't in in the proposal phase and as you, if you as an SME are not aware of the fact that you need to take the tough talks in the beginning you are very right because basically um, people like you and me who uh, develop a lot of projects constantly we know there's a low success rate that means hmm. we think a lot about what we get out the, of value out of the application process itself and are both experienced in how to explain that and how to um, uh, and how to make sure you get that value out of, of that process. But we also know that this is just a preface to a very long relationship within the project that is contractually okay. obligated. So uh, in my experience with the company, uh, engaging and writing on several um, 
projects with a partner circle a consortium uh, with plus 15 organizations involved. And this outset of having two or three partners with a very, very high level of conflict involved already in the application yeah. phase. That That is a big warning sign and a potential disaster later on, because if everything goes as every, everybody wants, then you're going to be sitting in a, in a project contractually bound for uh, a number of years uh, where this, uh, this potential problem with cooperation is, is, is just only going to go larger, get larger. Um, yeah, and you might have, if you have a weak coordinator that doesn't address it or hasn't got the capacity, human skill capacity or, or or project lead capacity, project management capacity to to shut things down and to make them collaborate, then you're in for a bad bad atmosphere there. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Now, what I wanted to, I want to drag some things out of you. You mentioned the the project that you had been awarded in the in the in the health tech company that you worked in. Yes. Was that an EIC? Yes, it was. Uh, because that's uh, so. Let's just have a, let's let's just have a little bit of talk about that. Because what I have done in my timeline series, I have I have focused on the large collaborative projects on the pillar two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's that, but uh, let's just. I just want to take a short detour around the EIC accelerator and what happened when you had to carry that out. How did it roll the project? How did you? What challenges did you run into, and what sort of do? If you can also have some advice in relation to the EIC. So basically, I got what I expected from that. Just, brand. just show Jonas, yeah. because I think I might later in my build-up things I will have focus on DIC specifically and dig into that because that's a specific is. But I just want to just yeah. to give a little bit of 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 a feeling to the SMEs and to the ones that helps them, uh, what it is to be in there. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, basically, um, for me, uh, uh, I of course entered after uh, the company, uh, the said company had won this grant. Meaning, I came in uh, uh, midway uh, or two thirds of the way into a year and a half uh, long project, EIC project, mm-hmm. mono partner project, and I expected uh, to find chaos in the project management, um, and I expected to find uh, undiscovered chaos, basically meaning that the company would not be aware of the chaos and especially impending doom if if this was not corrected and i was i was sadly right this is a big issue uh, i see with the uh, with smes engaging with this field uh, in this kind of monostructure uh, they hire a consultant that is if they win quite good probably um, in helping them win this grant but in their mind it is uh, it is like an investment and they are used to uh, investment from investors who keep close track on their progress and constantly uh, give input, feedback, critique to how they are achieving their goals. In this kind of project, you don't have that. You have um, you have uh, some reportings, but uh, oftentimes they will lie in, at the end of the of the project. So, uh, and and a lack of understanding that you have signed a contract and you're getting a portion of money. But uh, but you're going to be uh, accounting all this at the end, and if if you have if you're not 
very, very precise in both how you uh, register all your spendings, your costs, and that they are indeed eligible. You, you actually stand a very, very large risk of losing a big portion of this investment. This is not just money in the bank. This has been loaned to you until you can actually prove that your costs are eligible and been registered and accounted in the right way. Um, so this, this was something that I instantly started uh, clearing up. Uh, and through this project, developed uh, a whole team around myself, uh, picking people from different teams where I needed their competencies uh, for this task. Uh, and that also became my my project developing group uh, as well, after I started mm -hmm. uh, getting them in line and explaining what we had to do and, and what the whole purpose of it, basically changing the okay, nature so you, of the whole thing. So you, so you, so you synergized what, so you had the, the funded project, then you used that to, 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 uh, to spin off into other, uh, things you would be Yes, indeed, on. because the biggest hurdle and the, and the first hurdle is, um, simply culture and buzzwords. So uh, in every different uh, sector, as everybody listening to this probably knows, you have a specific series of understanding of terms, how they're used, um, how they're interacted with, and what everything means. And uh, mm -hmm. and a lot of this is unwritten rules yeah. and understanding, basically culture. Uh, the the EU culture and and terms uh, is 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 a very very own thing. It's very specific, and it lies quite far away from. The ICT slash tech world, even though uh, a lot of the same buzzwords are used uh, in an European term or EU funding terms, are used in a different way, basically. No. So people, are, so there's a lot of misunderstanding, and I had to explain this and and how it worked to uh, this bunch of people. And once they understood that and could act from it on this grant, uh, I utilized the same people to start working on new grants because i already ah, so this them. so this is good this is good this is good advice so this is a good point so if you so for smes or supporter uh, people supporting smes with accessing funding or especially eic there to make sure that so if not done this before to have someone hired either internally organization or paying a consultant to make sure that there's a translation exactly and uh, that that the company the 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 key people in the company attached is taken by the hand to make sure that they understand and translate it to their world what the commission how the 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 the, the, the funding setup reporting uh, project run work package so on how all this world is is interrelated to what they actually do in the company exactly what does dissemination mean right uh, all these different hmm. terms that that you and i know and people who are within this funding world know uh, what the level of um, of what you have to achieve and and the range and this will be described by an external consultant very well in an application so so that the the, the people evaluating it will understand it but if the company does not understand it then they're not going to be performing they they might believe themselves that that they are performing well and in a company like that usually what uh, the, the main thing of of measuring success is business you get more business if things are going well then you know everybody is going to be clapping their hands and everything is going to be going well this might not be right. so in a grant you'll have to perform in in different metrics 
and and to do that you have to understand what those metrics are and what they actually mean so so what i saw sadly and what i expected to see was a, an external consultant that had prepared the company very very poorly to what came after that they had signed the grant agreement and actually initiated the project uh, both from an administrative point of view a financial point of view but also and 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 and, and very importantly from from the contents the the, the work itself uh, how you meet your deliverables uh, how you meet your milestones how you cover these different aspects and how you constantly work on the project this was uh, neglected neglected quite heavily which also made the final reporting very very difficult because we had a translation ta uh, task um, we had a lot of colleagues that were panicked we haven't done this we haven't done this we haven't done this you're showing us this now we haven't done any of that and i was like you you actually have done all of these things i can show you uh, this actually means what we do here this actually is actually uh, uh, from uh. this tech team this is from the ux team here we have from our marketing team they are conducting these uh, tasks um this is basically what we need to to explain yeah and you see um, the problem is if you don't. So if you take if you take the if you take you out of that equation, mm -hmm. if we say a company do, does this, they somehow they they put the they they hire a private consultancy company to write the proposal for them, mm -hmm. and then nothing else. Yeah. So yeah. they they say this is then they collaborate maybe of course on the on that proposal. Then they get it, and then they they say oh, then we do this ourselves. Then they are, they are not going to do it again. Exactly. <laughs> you know, because they run into all these and go, what, what's this? And they will sit and, 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 and pull the hair out of their head every time they have to do a reporting or have to, 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 to make sure everything is in order when they follow the project. And so simply because they, the translation issue of a commercial project into a funded project, it's, it's just a matter of translation because it's the same things. Some things are a little different, but it, it may be the frequency of reporting. I don't know. But it, it's simply just you don't do a commercial project just like this. You know, you also have to plan it. You also have to make sure that, that the money is right, that you follow the, the plan you set out for duration and so on. So it's so that's um, that extremely very important advice. Good. Thanks. I think let's uh, let's 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 uh, get back from the detail and back into the pillar two. Um, so if we just shortly, so this element of why SMEs are important. So if I just so the outline is of course that from the commission's point of view, you have all the the the, the cocktail speeches, right? So the SMEs they constitute ninety eight percent of numbers of businesses so to say they they are the driving force of our economy but yada yada, yada. Um, this is the this is the reason why the commission said we need to pull this sector into development of innovation and technologies we need them to 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 shape them up uh, and help them uh, with the overall European goal of becoming the mark, you know, world global leaders within uh, core technology areas. We need the SMEs on board. We need them to both generate ideas, but also to 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 take color from the large industries and from the knowledge environments. 
So that's that's that. You're like if you cannot just have big industries and research environments, they mm. means they are the the beating heart of of the economy. Um, so that's that's why. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. If um, concrete example for my my present job uh, in Denmark right now, um, we have a couple of 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 large strengths uh, that we're promoting in the rest of the world. Uh, one of them is, of course, um, energy, renewable energy, and that whole sector. Mm. And uh, in Denmark, we want to, um, we basically want to scale it even higher, and we want to continue this path of continuous development and and being uh, in the front of developing new tech and being the go-to country from other countries wanting to to be engaged with renewable energy. Uh, we want to con- constantly develop new solutions and products for this uh, and uh, to achieve this digitalization has been uh, has been presented as as one of the key enabling factors in actually scaling and, and further developing this area uh, enter digital lead the danish national ict cluster so uh, we have uh, approximately 500 uh, company paying company members uh, within the ict sector and a lot of these uh, have either intentionally or unintentionally been developing tech that can facilitate uh, new development within um, the green transformation and the energy sector. Um, so basically, you'll have we'll have a number of companies who are involved and are targeting this sector with their um, digital products or services. And we'll also have a number of companies with tech that can be converted to this use who are not aware that or, or have not reached that point yet where they are marketing products for this uh, sector. So we are looking for both of these groups, of course, and facilitate them into uh, a cooperation with our sister business cluster, uh, the Energy Cluster Denmark, through a numerous different uh, uh, formal relationship and partnerships we have with them. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these are European. Um, uh, among others, I can say we are engaged right now in uh, developing applications for the European Digital Innovation Hubs, um, where green energy is is a big field of that. So that's a lot of the work we're doing right now. Uh, and so actually, so the, I think uh, the core issue here is that you actually you are that facilitator. Because a lot of your members are SMEs, and it is your role to be the connector between the the industry uh, slash SMEs and the knowledge environments, and uh, being using uh, funding schemes as one of the tools exactly. to enable them. Right. Yeah. So here you are the one that you have a lot of of you have a big role within your area ICT uh, in the Danish sector in exactly what we're talking about here. Exactly. Uh, in, in, in translating things, making translating things, making sure that they are comfortable in what you do, because you bring them in, you know your members. It's a lot of members to know, and I know you haven't been there that long, but but you get there, right? So you get more and more knowledge of the sector. Yeah, and I have smart people research, around but, me in my team who uh, who know them. Exactly, exactly, and 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 so you are the ones that do exactly what we just talked about with the EIC accelerator, but it goes the same for. Uh, for for maybe even more with the big collaborative projects because there they get lost. <laughs> exactly, they get completely lost. Um, and um, yeah, so if we paint it in broad strokes, uh, 
I would say that the role in the energy sector for, the, for our sister cluster is finding the larger companies uh, that have uh, um, uh, potential of further digitalization. Or, Siemens, some of these big guys. Or they have problems that they want to get solved. Um, and uh, we, we need to find the companies that would like to give it a crack, of course. But also prepare both uh, entities of how to uh, how each other thinks. And that's very different. Uh, in the ICT world, there's, uh, there's been developing a, a special culture of, um, of business development through the last 20, 15 years. It's heavily influenced by the US, Silicon Valley. Uh, this way of thinking uh, about funding and thinking about growing your business, which is uh, very, very, very different from more traditional sectors like the energy sector um, or the defense sector indeed. So. There's a lot to translate here, uh, both in terms of translating uh, the way and, uh, and nomenclature that you find in the EU system, but also translating between the two sectors. They are not used to working together like this. Um, and there's another trans translation test. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. No, but it's exactly because that's also why it's so complex. This mm -hmm. is why one of the reasons why I have this podcast. There's so many things to talk about because exactly for people to understand that helps. To, 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 to give help to people that do these things, but also for the companies themselves. But what if we zoom a little bit, just slowly wrap this up. So actually, but what it's a, it's, it's a good example of why the SMEs are so important mm -hmm. for both the European Commission, but also in the real world when you do these things, because they are essential to the, 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 the social challenges that you want to address. Exactly. Yeah, so you have the big companies, they know they have big strategies, right? You have Siemens, Wind Power, you have Erste, you have all these companies that they're just bong, bong, bong. But they cannot live without the, the, the SMEs when they need to do some of the things they have to do now with hydrogen, power to X, um, sustainability, connection between the sectors, you know, like uh, uh, integrated energy systems and so on. They know a lot internally. But all the, the knowledgeable, uh, and in your sector, ICT companies that sit and develop a, a strong, strong software and, and sensors and think, ways to do things, you know, like how to, to cleverly do things, they are reliant on it. And that's what, that's what, that's what you can do in these, these, uh, in, in these collaborative, big collaborative projects. They get together and solve a task together. So this is why they're important. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, we do this in many, many different levels. So we do it um, uh, in these big collaborative projects, but we also do it more informally in network groups, etc. Basically, my chief goal is to get these two types of, of, of organizations to talk and do business together. Um, right. And uh, of course, uh, that for some it's easier than for others. <laughs> uh. It's bridging us a little bit into, so let's just move into the attitude from the SMEs towards EU funding and the hesitation because when I reached out to you and asked what would you like to, to talk about, you said, I want to talk about uh, SMEs and how difficult it is to to um to get them aware of the importance doing you funded projects 
and and to incorporate them in a successful way. Exactly. But maybe maybe you put the words on it yourself. Yeah. So so what I basically mean here is is to make the SMEs aware of all the treasure that's involved in doing this kind of of project. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, treasure is a funny word to use here because what yeah. I see and my experience is that the money part is what SMEs look at first, and I understand that. That's what makes their world tick. Yeah, but it's by far, to me, the most valuable uh, thing that they get out of uh, of being involved uh, in a project or indeed an application. Because I actually think the application is the most important thing, and that's what I uh, ended up having to argue in front of um, uh, the management of the company I was employed in. Uh, and these arguments uh, they presented to the board and convinced them for this sort of to spend this amount of resources and time in developing these things uh, in a small startup uh, with approximately uh, between 40 and 50 employees, uh, rapidly scaling up into new markets. So that means we are very, very, very busy. And um, I was basically saying, I need I need four or five people and I need some of our best. I need people from the, our technical teams. I need people from our business development teams. I need business analysts as well, um, I, and and uh, people from our SOMI and marketing teams. I need a little bit of every team, basically, and I need them to work a lot with me. I need to educate them in how all this works, um, and I'm also going to be needing a lot of resources if we actually win. Uh, this is a big ask in a company like this. There's a lot of people. It's a lot of time, um, but to get to the point of all of this there is a ton of positives you can get out of uh, participating in this kind of grant and i'm not talking about eic mono grants mono partner grants i'm talking about the big pillar two societal challenges grants uh, the big projects even and we ended up uh, really really uh, aiming for the deep end uh, the very, very big, large, complex grants. Cool. I started out looking for uh, interesting fields, of course. I was working, the company I was working in was dealing with artificial intelligence within the life science sector. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of potential grants that cover this area, and I found yeah. some. And then I started looking through the company's uh, network. Uh, started talking to to main people around the company, the CTO, the CFO, which kind of uh, background they had, or who they considered their close uh, uh, compatriots, companies they trusted, researchers they worked with. And I was quite fortunate in that this company was uh, heavily involved in, in, in research and collaboration with local researchers from uh, local university of both uh, the Danish Technical University and also the University of Copenhagen. Um, mm-hmm. Because you need that kind of research aspect, you need that to to reach that level of excellence. Even though I was employed in a company that could rival a lot of these top lead, world leading research group in in research competencies, uh, you also need the classical um, academia for this. Just in the way they work and their focus is different, it's more holistic. So I'm talking a lot, but uh, it is a complex. No, field. no, no. It's but so we have like what I realize is that we talk about the added value, but that's good. Which so it's good to start with the good things. So so and how you work with it. So it, because this is when you any 
when you dig in with when when you do something like this is in an SME, uh, a person like you uh, performing that role when you step into a pillar, a, a big big collaborative project, it's it's uh, it's of immeasurable value. It is. Uh, for the company to get the best out of it, because that's what we. So you actually, what you did was that you made them best to get the best out of both the EIC that they work with, but you also know, uh, you knew, due due to your 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 previous uh, jobs, how to start screening for funding, how to screen for the right partners, how to screen for the flagships. To, to get you engaged in exactly the right place, um, and this is so. This is a very good example of the the value of a person like you in an SME when you want to do these things. Because if you have someone who can do this, or if you have, if you're so lucky to be a Danish organization that can use the Danish free resources yeah. for these things, um, but if you're a European organization. It, you have a person. You probably need to have a person yourself involved uh, internally, organization. But my point is that if you have that person, then you you it oh, there's a whole world that opens up, and suddenly it's not so complicated anymore. Exactly. And basically, uh, before we sno- we talked a lot about the challenges for companies, and I think that the, the gains uh, both outweigh the challenges uh, if you handle them right. But they also alleviate the challenges, and by that I mean uh, the level, uh, the, the amount of gains you get out of this collaboration, even just applying as uh, applying for 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 a grant, even just to work towards that, uh, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on now. So basically, uh, in in short, uh, I have I have three major groups of gains I see for an SME in 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 being a part of these large grants. And that's basically what I use to both convince our board, our management of why we had to do this, but also um, how we actually work with it. Uh, the first one is the planning. So an EU application is is a very complex piece of planning. You uh, describe how a period of three, maybe four years of, of very complex uh, development research R&D is going to take place uh, from uh, somewhere on the TIL scale uh, oftentimes ending up with uh, a viable product and also explanation of how you're going to market, how you're going to control IPR, how you're going to control everything in the end and who gets what. Uh, that in itself is very valuable because being forced to plan, describe, anticipate risk, um, plan to actually um, alleviate risk if it happens, um, uh, is is valuable for any kind of company, and if yeah. if you haven't done this yet as a small company, you better start. And this actually mm-hmm. forces you into thinking these things. Uh, and this is where the where translation effort is very important because the terms are different, very different in different sectors. So for me, it also had this planning. I it was the, the challenge was also explaining why it was important and where it actually matched what the company was already doing. And that's why I pulled people in from different teams because they were already doing these things. They were already uh, doing these things that were presenting to the investors and the board constantly. I just have to make them understand that what I wanted them to work on was the same thing. It just had a different name and maybe a different form, but they were already expert in how to achieve this. Second is 
relations, meaning the partners and the consortium. This is oftentimes something that SMEs are not a part of while when you're developing this big, big kind of application. And that's a, that's a problem um, because this is where I see the SMEs gets the most out of participating in this kind of application and later on a project. Because what we did was focusing on uh, you need to have end users. You need to have uh, end users when you're developing something for a big uh, horizon application. They need yeah. to be a part of it. That's all. Yeah. That's oftentimes where you only get a couple. We managed to actually fill in, I think it was 13 big potential customers for the company Excellent. in in uh, in the first large one that we were working on. And uh, just explaining this to the company, saying, we're going to go into a minimum six months developing phase for this application where we will have uh, weekly at least uh, meetings uh, with potential customers. And and so please give me a list of the customers that you most preferably, I mean, so our sales department, want to sell to. And please include, and I put emphasis on it, please include the ones that you can't reach normally that is hard for you to get into contact with that might think, okay, this company is too small for us to engage with. We don't believe they actually can achieve what they are, what, what they are promising. Put mm-hmm. the hard cases on, please do that. Uh, and we actually, uh, we are successful in bringing a lot of these uh, potential customers on board for this because what, and uh, first of all, an application is just an application, even though it takes time and you commit resources to it, uh, you're not committing three or four years. That doesn't happen until you might win. Um, second of all, it, it it tells the customer you're going into a very regulated corporation, a corporation yeah. where everything is thought of, ethics, compliance, GPR, um, all these different aspects are thought of, and and yeah. is probably even present directly in your consortium. Uh, so uh, so uh, it it's a safety structure for everyone involved. And if you only get so far as to actually hand in the application and you don't win, then you've had six months of in close interaction with potential customers, explaining to them what your tech can can do, establishing tr- trust and relations, but also co-creating a planned process of shared R&D. Yeah. Meaning after each application process, if we didn't win, I would be going to my sales and, and business development units and saying, guys, uh, you know, I've been telling you <laughs> that we've been working on this constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, so, we didn't win and everybody's bummed. Oh, you wasted a lot of time, Jonas. Like, actually not. No, I have mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge about these people. They trust me now. Uh, well-placed trust, I have to say. Quite decent company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have plans on how to develop something together. So here's a list of names. Please start reaching out and uh, I'll give an introduction and let's see if they don't want to do this collaboration anyways, just bilateral or in a larger group together. Because now they know what we can do. They know we show up to meetings. They know we deliver. They know we are smart people uh, that can be trusted. Um, And this is, I think, you know, you just can't, this kind of value, you just can't put a price on it. Uh, You can go to trade fairs. You can join different kinds of clubs or clusters as I work for now. But getting this kind of, of FaceTime and meeting time and, and, and deep dives into how you can cooperate through at, at least six month process is just unheard of anywhere else. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it's it's very it's very clever way of of, uh, of twisting. It. And if you're smart uh, with your consortium, well, you can include regulators in the field. You can recruit. You can include yeah, yeah. standardization agency. agents. You can mm-hmm. include um, even sometimes uh, um, competitors. If uh, if if you want if if you want to make some kind of competition out of uh, uh, different uh, uh, things you want to develop, um, right. and of course the knowledge partners you want for your product. Um, everybody's taken care of, uh, so that's uh, I think that is, um, and of course, look, hopefully, you get a product out of it. You get a service or product that you can use, and that everybody around you uh, in this kind of sector is is uh, is aware of now. Um, you also are forced into taking into consideration some aspects of your product and your development that you might not have thought of before. All that you as an SME has um, under-prioritized and pushed to the end of the cycle. That could be ethics, um, especially within artificial intelligence. It can be future upcoming legislation that you weren't aware of before. Um, all of these aspects that might uh, be a major stumbling block for your company on its R&D journey later on that you hadn't been aware of that's suddenly cutting you off from a lot of of important business letting your competitors actually maybe even overtake you because they're already aware of this especially larger companies in this kind of process this kind of product or project you are forced to take this into consideration because that's a part of of creating an application uh, for uh, for uh, horizon europe yeah and what happens in this case if you're clever the SMEs that uh, that that invest in this part, like Cords did, and I also know a handful of other SMEs that are, are focusing on, then it 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 spins off. You were invited by a strong consortium next time, so the work is less. The investment you have to make to get into the right consortium is so suddenly they will contact you. And uh, the money that you start to earn on the commercial. Uh, relationships you get out of uh, what you just mentioned, you know, like big collaboration parts, the commercial value starts to you if you zoom out on your budget as a company, you say, but this is money that we actually earned as a, as a, as a result of this. So let's take some of that and and fire back into the proposal uh, project uh, business here. So maybe we have two people. Uh, in that group now of free people uh, to continue building up this approach. Exactly, so and I can say uh, <laughs> this might sound a bit bragging, but but uh, during my nah, time at the company, uh, feel we uh, by all <laughs> we outperformed. <laughs> we basically outperformed the whole sales division uh, in in bringing in revenue for uh, for our products and development um, through the grants, and that's of course the upfront monetary value of of bringing in investment. Uh, in your development, but we also outperformed um, our the sales division in uh, new contacts, um, talking to potential new clients. Um, you heard it first here in the grant, the EU funding podcast. <laughs> go into e- go into EU funding uh, proposals, and you will boost. <laughs> you will if you do it smart <laughs> and and intelligently and uh, and and really deep dive into. You need the whole organization on board. I'm not talking about everybody, but you need the different aspects. Uh, to win, as you know, Nils, uh, you need to be excellent in all levels. That also means that in the company, you need to seek out 
your smart people in all the different sections because they need to be a part of it. I would not be able to do any of these things alone in the company. I would need some of the smart people in the different sections and I needed that time, which is difficult, of course, to get. Uh, but I needed that, otherwise I wouldn't get far. And or you also need that in your interaction with the consortium and you as you're developing the project and also as you're actually doing the grant. Because I I like to joke about how I know most things 5%. And, and it's not far from the truth. Uh, I have quite a broad range of knowledge within the ICT field now and especially the funding field and development. But, but 5% doesn't really cover it when you are sitting at a, a project meeting with world-leading science, ICT scientists, AI researchers, uh, top-level regulators, um, and brands organizations. Um, it's a tough, and large it's a companies. tough field. It's, 5% it's is, a tough sector. Yeah, 5% is simply not enough there. Um, and that means you need you need the lead researcher from the company or one of his best guys to to have your back in a meeting like that because yeah. uh, you quickly reach the the level or the limit of, of my knowledge when talking to uh, big people like that so it's a, an investment in time and uh, but i believe it's it's very well uh, put up um and uh, and it's also you need to show yourself as somebody who will actually uh, actually meet commitments show up to meetings uh, meet the deliverables uh, be a diplomatic person who can actually cooperate with people. That's very, very important. We're talking about many <laughs> different cultures, yeah. not just branch like sectors, but also cultures, national cultures. Very different people, different people in how they interact, in how they understand uh, uh, signals uh, and and you know just proper behavior, uh, which is made yeah. even more complicated with the different kinds of lockdowns we have. Uh, uh, we have experienced the last couple of years putting a larger focus onto online meetings, um, basically making this a bigger obstruction that people might think uh, a meeting can seem pleasant, but people can take very different um, things out of a meeting afterwards. Uh, and you might not see the potential buildup of antagonism between partners until it's a problem. So I think it requires there the experience come into place i've been the last two years i've been doing only i've been maybe building eight or nine large collaborative projects proposals well but also with with challenges um but i'm not sure those challenges would have been less just because we would have made met physically so it's a matter of people skills and you so so and and trying to pick it up at an early stage if you see that conflict is rising or you might see that there's a chemistry that's a little edgy <laughs> uh in the group but that's also that's a different role here so being a facilitator consultant and then being the company itself and who you attach to it so of course the big advice for both from you and from me would be that try to see if you have a choice sometimes you don't have a choice it's just that's just that person, <laughs> uh, but try and see like your your most collaborative person, so to say. <laughs> uh, put them on the case because you do need to have a lot of flexibility sometimes uh, in, in, when you need to to reach reach each other, so to say. It's uh, it's it's unavoidable to run into issues. Almost all proposal preparation uh, processes you run into some kind of. 
issue where you need to reach each other, where people need to bend towards each other, and there it's vital to have the right people in the in the group that that uh, that can pick that up. I gave I've I've I won a a hydrogen storage proposal uh, just around uh, around New Year's around Christmas, and there um, that was. I had big competitors that I managed to get on board uh, because I know how to put people together. So that was people skills. Uh, they were very hesitating, uh, both of them, when I brought them. Actually, three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Each of them being uh, looking at each other like this, you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, because of the way I facilitated the, the, the way the meetings were set up and the way I treated them as a group, that helped. But also because they individually were good persons. They had a collaborative approach, each of them, because I could have sat with people who said, get out. They wouldn't even have, have, have started the, the talk in the first place. But So it requires that everybody has a collaborative uh, approach or mind, mindset. Now, I want, before time runs out, now we talked all about the we talked a lot about the added value uh, and, and some nice and practical examples, which is very good. It's very valuable. But what I want to talk a little bit about is this. So this so the uh, SMEs towards EU funding and the hesitation because this is a general thing. We both worked as facilitators, Jonas. We both mm-hmm. worked in offices that uh, were the 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 glue, uh, working for saying now you need to try to make this group of SMEs in this geographical region or within this sector, you need to make them do more EU projects as a political, from a, a government or regional organized political organization, right? Having as, as that goal that they would have more of these organizations doing this. So basically you and me being in a role of selling the unsellable because yes. we uh, politicians... It's a political focus saying we need more of our SMEs to do this. And then we being the tool at the end of that a political wish, going out to organizations that haven't asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the case, yeah? Going out to organizations that has not asked for us to come <laughs> and, and selling them something that they basically don't understand and, and don't want. There's not, not demand for it, right? Indeed. And in that role, both you and me, we have understood a lot about what what the SME attitude is toward EU funding schemes, and that just that's not just Danish context, Danish SMEs. That's that's a broad perception from SMEs in Europe about what funding is, and that is generally uh, kindly saying hesitating. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, out, sometimes outright aggressive. Go away, <laughs> go away. Uh, we hate EU. We hate anything related to to rules and regulations from the EU. <laughs> the main group of SMEs that I have been communicating with, uh, cautious, I would say. That's the, been the approach. Saying, "What is it you come with? Okay, what can you, what can, what can you tell us?" So I think, I think that's it's the same that you have in your end. Exactly, because yeah. you have. You can have cautious or, um, or hesitance from management in these companies uh, because, as they understand, that is a the commitment of resources entailed within. And then you might also have the same hesitance or even larger from 
from the people uh, that's going to be involved uh, is usually some kind of business developer or, or or from the sales department who suddenly realize the depth of the waters they're coming into um and they they perceive it difficult to achieve success within this field that they don't understand um and they're going to be of course evaluated on the basis of that success or lack thereof from their management slash investors uh, so it's a translative issue or an understanding of the challenge that that has to go all the way up through the organization and into yeah. the the board uh, slash investors, and it's important. But my my point is that you can't blame them. Of course, yeah, I agree. agree. Yeah, you know they 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 uh, they are extraordinary uh, companies. I, I've met excellent companies with extremely innovative, uh, already collaborating maybe with with the private research institutes or universities, and they know exactly they're on the ball. They know exactly how to how to uh, how to how to screw it <laughs> into the goal. So they 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 really know what they where they want to go and how to do it. But when you so when you come with something like this, what do we need this for? Go away. We are having we 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 are moving towards we we perfectly we sell our products. We are innovative. We know exactly where the technology needs to go. We're already collaborating. What do we need you and and the why do we need to step into something where we have to report? We have to uh, account for for the money we spend. So we so you cannot blame them. But what I think. With this little short uh, section here of this episode, what I want to stress is the way that I, because it took me a long time to understand how to how to mm-hmm. uh, get their their attention. Now we talked about why it can be good for SMEs, and then to make them understand why it's a good thing, why it can help them. So that's the point, right? Yeah. We don't want them to do this if it's not good for them. So I have stepped a lot away of of many companies in my career to say, look, this is not for you. Don't do this. You're right. You're fine. <laughs> you don't do this. But you have a lot of SMEs out there that can exactly take advantage of this. Now, you have explained very nicely how you did it with, with Koji in, in that company uh, to raise the awareness and how to put that in practically into like how to deal with this to get something out of it on a, with a commercial value. Now, what I... Oh, what I always say uh, after it took me some years to crack how to deal with this, sell the unsellable, is to to tell them, look, if you know exactly where you want to be in five years, if you know where the technology is going, you have already taken the decisions on board level or manager level uh, that you need to allocate uh, investments into doing this with the technology when you reach there. You might already know that you are going to collaborate with a university or with a commercial partner mm-hmm. in larger industry on this specific thing. Or you might wish to. So that's so that's your window. That's the window. So you know where you need to go to develop your company, to stay market leading within what you want to do, or to get even at the edge, state of the art, and so on. True. This thing what, needs, the what, project in, in name needs to be aligned with the company's R&D efforts and where they want to go. So... So the attention I got, the ones that were when they raised an eyebrow, when I twisted it like you say, so you have all this in place. This is perfect for a new project because you, then you don't, 
then you don't step into this as something where you need to get money. You have already spent the money, so to say. You know you need to spend it within the next five years. You know who you need to collaborate. You know you need to go there. Yeah. So, so now you have already, you know you need to make this investment. So through a new project, you can get 70% covered or even 100% if you're lucky. Yeah. But at least 70 but that's a big chunk. That's a very big and chunk. That's the, and, it's the, and it's the whole point, actually. It's one of the big points with the with the reason why EU uh, they are funding the EU's funding uh, companies and industry is to take the risk away. So basically, what happened? Uh, the company I was in, we managed to win one of the grants we were applying for, which um, uh, during the whole COVID crisis situation uh, it gave us the opportunity to to pivot one of our products into help solving or um, create a, a service and product that could alleviate the pressure to the health system uh, by the pandemic and uh, and this was uh, highly promoted afterwards by investors and 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 different people around the ecosystem as 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 a as a class way of of pivoting your product line towards uh, something that both helps the company but also society, and the, the grant helped that for us, uh, and it also gave us the opportunity of postponing uh, an A round uh, funding round. Simply saying, we need to be at this level on these different product development cycles and and our customer base before we want to go into uh, the A level round, and. We do not believe we'll get there right now due to the crisis, but also because we want to pivot into this direction and further develop this cycle of products uh, and help make a difference. And and the, the investment in, involved helped create all of these factors. So I understand now that the company just went through a very, very, very successful, one of the most successful in, in Denmark today, uh, A-level round funding rounds. And, uh, and, and this... Um, breathing space that the grant gave the company was a big part of that. It, it helped the company with resources to fully commit to develop this thing through a year. And they did. So uh, so that was uh, very satisfying to be a part of. Yeah. Um, so this is this is a perfect example of, of how we've been working with these and the experiences that we have. So here they are for you, all of you, both people who help SMEs. And if you're an SME yourself sitting and working with these things. Um, now, what I want to say, but because we have to acknowledge this, Jonas, it is that some places in Europe, uh, SMEs simply don't have the possibilities that some other SMEs have and that's simply due to where you where you're situated as a com- which country that's you're true. in because some countries some countries they have nice governmental programs uh, or regional programs Denmark is one of the best examples actually with with a lot of free support to guide you in these things even in details and 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 then you have governments that that where you can get get grants to pay consultants to write your proposals uh, or cover some of it that's also that's it's very nice for these uh, places in Europe because you are very well off you you have many possibilities if you decide to go this way but I for the ones who are not in such a country it's mainly uh, south uh, and eastern Europe mm-hmm. you rely a lot on the persons you have in your company 
um, or the partners that you step up together with. So there you need a different strategy uh, as an SME if you if you want to do these kind of things. You you need to try to see if you can take color of of getting together with with partners that has these that has the uh, these opportunities. So you kind of take advantage of other countries' money, so to say, uh, through the partners that you're involved with. But of course, it's it's a little less. You need to twist a little bit your own strategy as an SME in in Hungary or in 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 Italy or in Portugal and so on on how to deal with these things. But I think the 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 message, the general message about that the investment you make with having someone on board that can translate things for you, it's money well paid out. Uh, it is. It is, and I can also make a suggestion and a recommendation uh, for companies like this, or if anybody's listening to this podcast uh, are in an advisory role (laughs) to companies like this, (laughs) looking for funding. Um, So in the recent years, especially within the new Horizon Europe program and not the least the Digital Europe program, there's been an uh, added uh, focus on uh, an instrument that we know as cascading funding. Cascading funding is basically, to the uninvolved, um, a consortium uh, receive a large portion of EU money to advance a given field, and uh, they have some restrictions on that money. So usually it's at least 50% of of the grant. Um, It might even be 75%, I've seen in some cases, need to go directly to SMEs. Uh, and And that means that the consortium creates a mini fund basically and make their own calls in specific fields and these projects yeah. are usually uh, quite simple it's lower amount of money than than the large projects of course but there's a lot less red tape there's a lot less involved and you get to have an experience of working in a new project in a smaller way but you can actually achieve quite a lot through them uh, and there's as there's more and more of these these projects are not usually as good as promoting these opportunities, I find. Uh, but they are there, the opportunities. You just need to try Googling a little bit. Um, and you can find quite a lot of them. Um, and we, honest, as an organization, you know are doing quite a lot of these projects as well. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking I need... I need to make an episode on casket fund. Do you do? Basically, you do because. Yeah. Uh, but for one, the opportunities involved are great, but also the challenges of creating them are also massive. They are very complex structures, even for people who've been doing it for so long as you and I. Um, do you do you know enough about the casket funding to be my guest for that? I think so, um, but I could also su- perhaps suggest some people as well um, who've just been involved in some of them. But, uh, if you can do it, it's great. But if you know someone who is uh, a capacity, so to say, a, a dude does it as a main work or something like this, so it's think about but it. But actually, I, I can. I, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to do it basically because right now okay. we have this is not uh, this is not strictly EU money. Or it is it some of it used to be, but but my organization right now is actually uh, currently uh, uh, we have open calls. Which in nature is cascading funding. We 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 have some large structural grants from uh, the Danish Business Authority and also the Danish Authority on Research and Science, um, where we uh, hand out a large portion of these money into small grants for companies and researchers. 
So uh, yeah. if you're Danish companies or researchers, or you're representing one of the two or both in in Denmark, uh, please reach out uh, and I'll look at the www.digitallead.dk and under innovation, uh, there's uh, what we currently have available for funding. Um, the, when is it? Because this 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 podcast will be released as a batch uh, when I launch it in in April only. So if it's before April, then. <laughs> So one of the one of the uh, call opportunities has a running deadline, but uh, a big catch that okay. says that the project uh, and all activities they need to be done by the end of this year. So that will of okay. course be smaller as we progress forward. Um, we have some deadlines on our uh, other grant structure. One of them is April. There's going to be another one this year, but we're continuing with these kinds of uh, activities also next year. So there'll be opportunities next year as uh, next year as well. And what you're doing, actually, what you're uh, what you're picking a little bit with the stick in is one of the things that I'm considering uh, doing with my platform. So I'm building up my landing page now, uh, where I have the podcast universe with the different segments. But I also have the thought of making a resource page uh, where people can be linked to uh, guided through to the different places. So sort of a <laughs> you have you have many of these uh, initiatives throughout uh, throughout Europe uh, where you link to different things, but here, because I'm making a podcast on the whole system, so to say, mm. it's natural to be able to refer people to it from my website. So I'm not doing it; I will put it into my website on the landing page. But being people that they can naturally listen to this, go to the landing page, find what we've been talking about, and then connect to where they can get more help. Um, so I think I, I I will do this uh, together with a lot of bunch of other stuff, uh, build it up over over time, just slowly uh, uh, putting brick on brick with more and more info for people because this is actually a point of awareness now. One of our my my first advisory board member is Christian from Slovenia, and the Eastern Europe part, yeah, it's uh, some of these areas. It's it's simply don't have the possibility. So it's good that you have these these initiatives for cascade funding possibilities and so on that gives and open up this world, uh, making it easier for easier for for these, uh, especially as we startups, uh, to to work with these things. Mm. Um, no, that was the creation. We are. Uh, I soon have to uh, to wrap this up because I have to pick up my daughter at school. But I think we 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 covered it quite well. We didn't went step by step through what, but I think we covered it quite well. What we need to cover, and uh, there's room for more in the future. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pin you on the cascade funding, and uh, it doesn't have to be right away because it doesn't have to be right away. We can just plan that in in a month's time or something like this. Uh, just taking it easy because I have a lot of recording anyways of um, on my on my plate. Final, uh, I always end the episode with the toughest challenge. The grand. So within this, your thoughts on the toughest challenge on engaging SMEs in these things. Have you found, you know, like, what is, what is your thought? I think the toughest challenge is that you need to build a relationship with them to make them understand the the, the opportunities here. 
uh, which means you can't come out and talk to them for 15 minutes or during um, presentation and then expect them to see the benefits. Um, there's a lot of touchy subjects that you're going to be touching. One of them is planning. Uh, we, we've both been talking about an optimal situation where uh, you can actually find something that aligns perfectly with their R&D wishes. Um, but just taking the decision that what you have presently planned for your R&D path in the future is something that you're now going to set in stone due to a project. That is difficult for companies. They, they, as small companies, they are usually quite agile and flexible also in what they plan. Or they, they might be even too flexible. They might not have good planning, but this is something that you need. So that's a, so, so the, the, of the many, many, many different challenges that you can achieve is also engaging them quickly. That, that is just a problem. And for that, I suggest not jumping into the deep EU waters instantly. You need to have some kind of experience into the funding world or introduce them either through a small cascade funding or a small local funding before and then start building on the good habits already there that's uh, optimal i think but it's a big challenge just getting them involved basically there's a lot of opportunities for companies they might not be good opportunities but companies smes they get contacted quite a lot from all different angles and it's very hard for them to see, is this going to help my business or is this just going to steal my time? And everybody who's going selling uh, whatever they want to steal of time or resources or or just commitment, they will all be saying the same t- things as you and I will. This is yeah. an opportunity for you. This is going to help scale your company, <laughs> get new customers. This is going to be amazing. So you're just going to be a part of that choir. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is that is difficult. And also they're busy people. They, you know, they, they're not going to be having uh, people hired that have 30% of their workload just waiting for you to pile into. You're going to have to convert people to start working on this. And that's difficult. And, 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 and another thing, you're going to need to align with their time schedule. Uh, yeah. SME startups, they work all the time. We, you and I do many times as well, but... You just need to be flexible um, because they have to be. You have to meet them on the same level. Exactly. Jonas, um, I asked Christian the same question just as a nice uh, outro. Your biggest success? What you're most proud of in your time working with this for the last 12 years? I think within the EU funding area, what's your most proud of? So I have moved away from thinking too much on singular sort of successes. Successes. When I started out, it would I would be mentioning some big grant wins and I've had quite a lot of them, but many other people have as well. And mm. uh, I have had even more, as is quite normal in this field, even more failures. Um, uh, so, but but tracking even tracking that is 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 redundant to me. Um, what I am most proud of is uh, when I meet people I've worked with before, uh, and and they are happy uh, with working with me again or the organization I represent due to what we have built together before. So, uh, seeing uh, basically the good karma 
situation where what you put into something uh, is what you get out as well, usually over time. So my big network, knowing a lot of smart people and be taking into consideration and in constantly being asked to to work on very interesting fields uh, and new research and everything like that. So, yeah, I think that's my that's that's what I'm most proud of, that that I'm in a situation where I get a lot of offers to work together uh, due to past uh, experiences that that's it. Uh, The big grants, you know, you also know as well as I do that in the perfect world, a big grant that you win is probably something you haven't had to work that much on. Because everybody involved just did what they had to do, and it was amazing. Yeah. If you if you win a large large grant that you're working on on behalf of somebody and you did everything yourself, it might not be the best project as we started out talking about. Yeah. But it might be a of course it's a it's a it's a work effort that you want at your own, but it might not be a good process afterwards. On that note, um, Jonas, thank you so much. Thank you. It's very nice to have you on board my advisory board. Uh, to I be. am uh, so when when all this will be launched, uh, I will have it's in a month's time or so. I will have a whole universe with lots of podcast episodes and the podcast universe and so on. So that's what you will all realize uh, when this comes out. But at the, I'm right now in the process of building the website, so it's very nice. It's coming nicely together. I have a logo and and the landing page. It's it's, it's, it's all developing very nicely. So um, thanks. For listening to you all for listening uh, to the end uh it's a pleasure to develop this initiative and it's lovely to have all these nice people on board that i've been known for other years uh to sit and have have, have sharing our experiences of of helping you all basically uh making life easier hopefully and, and a nice digital uh pat on the back from 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 us that uh, it's gonna be okay it's a good good thing to do, uh, but uh, we hope that we can make it easier for you with putting taking some of these barriers away from. Can can I briefly plug uh, my organization? Yes, yes, shamelessly. It's in. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a uh, non-commercial initiative, and I say, look, you can shamelessly promote yourself, please. I will. I've already done so, of course. Uh, but uh, but uh, so if if you're a Danish company uh, uh, within the digital sector, uh, then uh, please uh, hit me up in my contact form. Uh, that's probably going to be in the notes to this podcast on the website that the the platform that Nils is talking about. Um, Get into contact. We can find out how we can uh, help each other. Uh, we we have quite cheap rates for small companies. I think it's down to twenty five hundred Danish kroners a year. If you're a yep. foreign company or organization and you want to cooperate or talk about potential cooperation, or have questions to it uh, with EU funds or any other kind of of cooperation, then uh, please uh, um, contact me uh, and uh, we can have a chat about that. Uh, we are constantly working on many different avenues um, within uh, digitalization and tech in general. So, um, yeah, please do reach out. So what I will do uh, when I launch, I will have a page on the on the landing page with each of you from the advisory board and sharing your contact details, of course, the ones of you that want that. And uh, then I'm also considering as a exchange platform for the for the listeners. Uh, to make a group on LinkedIn that will only be accessible by people who have subscribed to the podcast. 
So it's going to be a place, uh, an exchange forum there where people can discuss what's going on in here, uh, things that we have been talking about and uh, where all of us, that, uh, myself, of course, but also the advisory board, you guys will uh, can tap in and 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 gauge into to to reach out from from the from the listeners. So that's uh, that's how it's uh, so we all it's a, it's a funny thing when you are in the process of recording episodes and you're not launched yet. So it's uh, when everybody will be listening to this, it's all there, but I haven't developed it fully yet. <laughs> so, but that's uh, that's the idea. So uh, so that will be so just short just to say. Will be able to get get a hold on Jonas. You will also be able to reach me, of course. You will be able to reach any of the of the of the advisory group and other listeners. So, so there are lots of, pla- of discussing forums on, on on LinkedIn, but I've at least here there's a a, a fixed uh, uh, frame of of the podcast and the things we discuss, and then people can discuss them directly in the in the group. So no, I have to end up this uh, conversation, Jonas, because I have to pick up my dog. Yes. So uh, on that note, Jonas, again, thank you so much. Uh, we will be uh, seeing and hearing uh, a lot more to each other uh, in, in the future. And uh, to the listeners, again, thank you for listening to the end. Hope you like this initiative and hope that it helps you. Yeah. So bye. Bye. have been listening to the grant the EU funding podcast